Good afternoon and welcome to the Sitka Nature Show. This is your host, Matt. I want to thank you for joining me here in the middle of August 2022. First half of the month has been continuing the trend of July, which is a bit wetter than normal. We had a couple of uh, exceptionally rainy days, so I don't think they were record-breaking, uh, the two of them separately, but they combined made for a wet weekend last weekend. Uh, it was interesting to see the river's high. I always like to go and check and see how high they're getting. Certainly not to some of the highest levels I've seen, but it was a nice little bit of minor, I guess not technically flooding, but uh, high water at least. Uh, nice for the salmon to have water to move upstream. I've been noticing uh, salmon up Indian River here in Sitka, hiked up the trail a little ways and went off on a little side creek that it was interesting to see just how much uh, fish there was there. No live fish in the little creek, but uh, there was plenty of fish parts, uh, remains that presumably were left by bears. What I was curious about is whether the bears just scooped up any fish that got into that really shallow creek where they would be easy to catch or if they were bringing them there from the main river and just uh, looking for a quieter, more isolated place to eat without anybody going to be disturbing them. So I guess that's a mystery. Perhaps the judicious use of a trail cam would help to solve that. It is also the fall migration season. There was a report this past week, just a couple of days ago, of a Hearman skull. A visitor got pictures of it near the mouth of Indian River. Hearman skull is actually coming from the wrong direction. It's coming from the south. They uh, disperse northward, apparently, the young first-year birds, and occasionally make it up as far north as Alaska. It's not the first report for Sitka, but it's the first in quite some years. Uh, so, yeah, something to look for if you're into teasing apart the goals. These Hearman skulls stand out a little bit as they're kind of a more of a uniform chocolatey brown than our more typical goals. It's also the time of year when we see songbirds gathering up. I've noticed some large flocks of loose flocks, really, of warblers and other small songbirds. But other times it's just quiet. So if you happen to catch the flock, then see a lot of birds. Otherwise, not so much. As always, I'd love to hear what you're seeing out there, especially bird-wise. Please feel free to send me an email, sitkanature at gmail.com, or you can get on Facebook and like the Sitka Nature page there. The conversation I have for this week's show is one I recorded a couple of weeks ago with Mary Goddard. Mary lives here in Sitka, but is originally from Yakutat. She's known, among other things, as an artist and wild food enthusiast. We'll go ahead and join the conversation with Mary, offering a little bit of an introduction for herself. My name is Mary Goddard. I guess people know me as Alaska Mary. I typically do jewelry, or I have been doing jewelry for years. And uh, I also run the blog Forest Fresh Alaska. That is a food blog where we highlight indigenous local ingredients, and we try to create crave-worthy recipes to share um, with our, I guess, subscribers or people that follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Nice. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing, I think I first met you at a Kayani Commission meeting, actually. It's been a few years ago now. And um, and then seeing your, your Forest Fresh things pop up, I like to follow things that are sort of Sitka nature related. And so when I see people posting stuff that's you know, pictures of hikes or, or plants or whatever, then I tend to follow them. And so it was always interesting to see, like you make the food look a lot more um, appetizing than it is when I'm just picking it and eating it as I'm walking around. It's kind of my, <laughs> my impression. So I am kind of curious, like, how did you get into that? And, and what are the sorts of, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different flavors, I guess. Some of them, I guess, uh, an acquired taste maybe more than others. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, just curiosity, you know, growing up in uh, southeast Alaska, there were so many plants and knowing that we live in a rainforest, um, 
I think just kind of got me curious about what plants can we forage for, harvest, and what can we make with them? Um, so yeah, essentially it's the curiosity. So you have, I mean, every time of year, I guess there's different sorts of things. I noticed um, at least some of the berry bushes this year are pretty well loaded. The uh, huckleberries, I saw some, they're just like draped over with like some pretty big berries. I oh think maybe gosh. they liked that sun <laughs> that we had earlier in the summer. Yeah, um, they. I feel like they definitely came earlier than this year than normal. But man, those huckleberries are, yeah, those are one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, a few of them almost tasted sweet, um, which is kind of unusual for them. It seems like I like the tartness. Uh, I like sweet tart things. So I like to, usually the way I do those is I just sort of stew them a little bit till the skins start to pop a little bit and put sugar in it. And then I just freeze them and I just eat them, you know, Ooh. with like cream. Oh, that or, sounds good. Or something like that. So that's kind of, it gets the sweet tart thing for me. And it's simple, which is a prerequisite for me because I'm not much of a, a of a kitchen master. So, Well, that's what's kind of nice about like some of these berries and some of the plants we have. It is it's simple. There's not really a whole lot you have to do with some of it, you know, especially huckleberries. I mean, yeah. I just love to just eat them right off the branches. So you do a lot of experimenting with different things when you're, when you're doing these things? Yeah. So with Forest Fresh, it's fun because it's... Um, you know, it's something that my husband and I get to do together. You know, he used to be a chef, and uh, we get to experiment in the kitchen. And we also have a almost seven-year-old son named Riker, and he's really into experimenting as well. And so I think initially this curiosity started off with just um, me wanting to learn more about the plants that you can harvest, the edible plants specifically. And then um, it's just grown from there. I mean, now we have... Um, my sister, Samantha, she'll help edit and write newsletters for Forest Fresh. So she's learning along the way. And then Lucas's mom, Kathy, um, when we do photos or any videos, she does the tablescaping. And so it's just become like this, this big hobby that's, you know, involving more and more people. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it seems like a nice family project. And uh, yeah, it's some of those, uh, I guess, I guess this is whole art to sort of uh, plating things in a way that looks aesthetically compelling um not an art that i have even tried to master i guess but i I can at least recognize that there's something going on there that's a little more than just the plop it in the (laughs) pop it on the plate thing. well that's the fun thing and and i think you know uh i think my husband gets after me sometimes because i could spend a little bit of time plating and taking pictures before we're eating dinner and uh I think sometimes he's like, okay, I'm ready to eat dinner. Put the camera down. Yeah. But yeah. I guess the food's getting cold. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, what does my sister Samantha always say? The camera eats first. I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it does a little better with the food before it's uh, <laughs> others have had a chance. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the, uh, it, when the experimenting, are you sort of, uh, I mean, what are you drawing from for your, for your, Part of it's obviously just the plants that are here, and I guess some of them maybe you haven't tried before, or maybe that you have, and and I don't know how much you have like family recipes or people in town that have said, hey, you know, I really like this, and then and then other things that maybe you like and say, I wonder if this would work in that kind of a little mix and match. Yeah, you know, I I remember when we were, um, I think it was like on an Alan Marine boat, right, Matt? We were mm-hmm. talking, and something you had said. I feel like you articulated it really well. You said, like, get to know your neighbors. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, and essentially that's kind of how we go about it is, um, you know, just trying to learn, like, maybe adding one more plant to our our, um, our palate or our taste or our experimenting each summer, right? Like learning about it, um, figuring out, you know, what is the best time to harvest it? When is it tasting 
if it's a berry, the sweetest, or, you know, when, when should you harvest it? So there's definitely a lot of experimenting and, um, it's just come from a, from a, a lot of different things growing up, right? Like what influences there and then what influences from traveling and trying different dishes. Um, I think I get really inspired when I travel to another place and I get a, you know, go to a new restaurant and try, um, a chef's, you know, plate of food. Um, that sounds kind of funny, but just essentially just, just learning about different flavors, uh, wherever I go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I like to, yes, getting to know the neighbors is kind of how I like to think about my natural history project, I guess, of, of, um, just knowing what's around, getting to know where it is, where it lives, what it does, you know, names is part of that for me and, uh, learning to recognize things really. I like that. That's something that a lot of the resources are based around, okay, identifying things. And I make a distinction. Like, I don't identify my family members. I, I know who they are. You know, right. I recognize them. There's no need to... If I'm describing to you who've never, who's never met one of my kids or my family members, I'd have to try and figure out what's going to stand out about them that you would then notice. Right. And so you could identify them based on that. But for me, there's just so many things that are both conscious and unconscious. Like, I could see somebody walking a long distance away. And so... You know, with food, things that you can eat or even things that you can't necessarily eat, but there's a smell or, you know, there's these multisensorous, not just vision, but touch right. and taste and smell. And, and food really brings all of that, I suppose. You're getting all the senses. I mean, maybe not sound as much unless, unless I mean, I guess there's parts of it when you're eating it, the crunch or the, or the things right. like that. Or even, well, you talk about sound, you know, this year we experimented a little bit with um, bladderwrack, which oh, is, yeah. you know, also known as popweed. And so... You hear the sounds when you step over it. You know, it has that nice popping sound. And um, But you're absolutely right. It, it is about becoming familiar with the plants. You know, like if if there's a new plant that I'm learning, it's like, how do I properly identify this? And I think that's maybe one of the biggest questions we get as well. Like, well, you know, how do I, how do I identify this plant? How do I know 100% that it's this plant. So there, you know, there's definitely some, um, teaching involved, you know, with what we share and, uh, especially with our son Riker, you know, he's really into, um, harvesting plants. And so trying to be able to teach him that proper identification. So he knows without a shadow of a doubt that what he is picking or so I know without a shadow of a doubt, what he's picking is edible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, there are not, Fortunately, not too many poisonous plants around here, but there are a few. And um, yeah, it's definitely good to know. I remember I did this when my kids were younger. We didn't do it for too long, but I called it Wild Food Wednesdays. And we would go and we'd pick, we'd try and find at least one thing. You know, one day it was Dolly Barton and and then we tried goose tongue with it. And um, I've heard people like cooking goose tongue with king salmon, you know, just putting the... uh, put it inside the king salmon and then bake it. Nice. Uh, we tried that with um, with uh, Dolly Varden. I think Dolly Varden were a little too small to, uh, for, so, so the goose <laughs> tongue was a little bit strong. But the um, in many of them, some of them we liked and some of them not so much. Uh, yeah. I'm not much of an experimenter. I imagine if, if we could have tried it other ways, it, you know, it would have been fine. I remember uh, fiddleheads being being one that they actually, it's one of the few things they ask for more of. Okay. Um, just a lady for in fiddleheads and then, uh, but there was there was a number of things we tried. But one of the things is like twisted stock, um, which is uh, wild cucumber. Right. You know those things. Those taste very cucumbery to, to my. Especially the the young spears. The leaves taste a little different. But uh-huh. uh, when they're just coming up and they're just a spike, 
But sometimes, you know, one of our poisonous plants is uh, false hellebore, which yep. mostly they look pretty different. But but there was one I remember picking on uh, uh, kind of behind SJ, which is now part of the park, actually. And there was they were growing right together. And, oh, my and, goodness. And they were, you know, you could tell that they were different, but they were similar enough. You could say, OK, well, I could see why somebody who's just kind of not really paying attention doesn't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, so. So we, I have a picture of them, like pointing at, holding the ones that were good, and pointing at the one that was bad, and <laughs> you know that you wouldn't wouldn't want to eat. But that's like knowing the what are the poisonous ones, like that you definitely need to avoid, and really getting to know those just as well seems like an important part of of learning what you can eat. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the the ones that I always think about too, because I think it's highly poisonous. I mm. mean, it, right? It's one that yeah, can kill you. I think and so. so um, I think as a, especially as a parent of uh, making sure that, you know, there's that proper identification of both and, um, but of really anyone. And, and I think, um, you know, I've heard people like, oh, are you going to give me something that's poisonous? Are you going to, you know, I heard that's poisonous. So there's still a lot of the misconceptions around that a lot of plants are poisonous. And uh, so it's really about getting to know the plants. And then as well as, um you know, you talked about fiddleheads, right? Like, if you don't properly prepare fiddleheads, they're not poisonous, but it can give you a pretty bad stomach ache. You know, like if you're not breaking down those enzymes by cooking them, you know, then you're going to make someone really unhappy and they could in their mind think that that's poisonous. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is interesting the way that the food prep works. And, you know, there's some folks that I've worked with and, and one of the things that they talk about in terms of helping people connect with nature and, and these things is the importance of And it's one of the first things they do is, is like, what are the hazards? Cause mm-hmm. when people make a relationship with the hazards, then they can feel more comfortable because when you don't know, then you're, you're worried. It's like, is this plant poisonous? Is this one poisonous? Well, if you know which ones are poisonous, right. then you can relax a little more about, <laughs> about the things. Cause you're kind of getting to know them. Skunk cabbage, not really poisonous exactly, but but yeah, I guess you'll know it. I've never tried it. I've <laughs> talked to some people who have, but uh, yeah. and they regretted it pretty quickly, as I understand. Uh, but then there are other ones that are poisonous. Like you could eat it and swallow it, and like okay. it'll do some things to your system. Right. Um, so it is, yeah, good to know. I mean, in just general, like being out, people get really nervous around bears, and for good reason. You know, bears right. are big and and potentially dangerous but when you look at the things that get people in trouble it's a lot more it's like terrain and weather and you know boat boat troubles so true and those are the things that people don't really think about but yeah um i you know i give some thought to that like how is it that you do that when you're taking people out uh, you know family or visitors from out of town you know how do you how do you work with that so i imagine that's especially true with the teaching people about foods and foraging and yeah, you know, for me, it's just really exciting because, you know, um, there's some plants that have been passed down, you know, that I've learned from an elder um, or two. And then there's some plants that I've just learned about by reading books. And so it just brings me to the fact that probably a lot of this knowledge was probably really prevalent at one point, you know, and uh, it almost feels like it was lost for a while. So it's nice to see that more people are getting into like foraging and harvesting and and wanting to learn um, more about the plants. And I think, you know, I I moved to Sitka about 12 years ago and um, I was just as much into experimenting and learning about plants as I am now. But um, there was really not too much interest. You know, I did a website 
12 years ago, shared information. There was really no interest generated. And it really it was only been in the last couple of years that people are really kind of awakening to um, the fact that we have some pretty amazing food that we can harvest here. Yeah, it's I, I guess I'm somewhat lucky in the fact that my dad was always interested in harvesting and we didn't eat a lot of greens. <laughs> there are greens that you can eat here, but he grew, he grew a garden also. So, oh, nice. so we had greens from the garden, but I do remember him gathering wild cucumber when, when I was a kid and we'd eat that sometimes. And, nice. um, and he liked hunting and fishing, but berry picking was the big thing that he did. He yeah. grew up on a farm in Southern Idaho where there's fruit trees. And of course there's no fruit trees here, but right. um, he, would go out and he'd pick like five gallon buckets full of blueberries and huckleberries in an afternoon. Like he was, he, he picked a lot of berries <laughs> <laughs> and then go crawling around in the muskeg. And I think one year he got six gallons of cranberries, which if oh, you wow. pick the cranberries around here, you know, that's a lot of, uh, that is a, a lot, lot of crawling around <laughs> Yeah, in, in October weather. So, uh, so I, you know, to me that was just always natural and I'm not anywhere near the volume, uh, picker that, that he, he was harvester <laughs> yeah. that he was, but, um, uh, but I, it was just like normal for me. Of course, we would eat berries; they're good, and why wouldn't you? Uh, right. Well, and, and I guess that's true with um, you know my childhood too, because growing up in Yakutat, you know, salmon berries are, uh, you know, everywhere. And so we did. We I just remember um, our mom handing us buckets and going, "Okay, don't come back till it's full." Yeah. You know, and so that was our fruit. We lived off salmon berries. And you have strawberries up there that are... Oh my gosh, so good. Yeah, it, they're a little harder to come by here. There's a few places I've seen wild strawberries, but not not too many. But I, the one trip I went yeah. to Yakutat, unfortunately, they weren't quite ripe yet. I was kind of there in early June. and <laughs> But I just, like, I was, was it Cannon Beach or something yeah. that's out there some ways? I was, I was out on there and just like, oh, look at all these strawberries. <laughs> and, and the uh, Nagoon berries also were there. And I was like, Right. Oh, I'm a little jealous because um, I like both those berries. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the the wild beach strawberries are so good. And it's something I do miss. Um, yeah, I was just there and I didn't get too much of a chance to pick berries. But there was a little bit that we got to nibble on and it was great. I've heard you can tell beach strawberry jam because it often still has a little bit of sand in it. So. Oh. <laughs> it's hard to get the sand out of all the berries. There's so much sand there. But I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what somebody told me once. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't had the problem, but maybe it was just so good I didn't notice Yeah, it. I mean, the taste, like sand doesn't add a lot of flavor. It's just how much you chew a little, your jam, A little I guess. bit yeah. of grit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Helps, helps clean out the system or something. I don't know. Right. But, uh, yeah, the, I like the sweeter berries. Uh, well, I like tart berries, too, the huckleberries and, and yeah. the blueberries. And it's interesting how bush to bush, even, of blueberries especially. I don't notice as much with huckleberries, but with blueberries, like, there's a lot of variation in flavor. There's a couple different species, but even... Yeah. And, and so there's kind of a broad difference in those, but... It seems like where they're growing, and you hear this with things like grapes and people that get yeah. really fancy about wines and stuff like that. But, but you could become a connoisseur of blueberry flavors around here, I suspect. Hey, absolutely. You know, I know my favorite patch and my favorite blueberry. You know, and I, I believe they're the black huckleberries. You know, okay, they're like yeah. they look, they can get so big they almost look like marbles. Those are my favorites. Oh, okay, yeah. So th- th- I like the I like the sort of dusky white ones a little better, okay. especially when because they're a little s- sweeter. The I don't. It depends on what I'm doing with them. If I'm just eating them fresh, <laughs> I like the I like the dusky ones. But those those the the black huckleberries people call them. Those also that uh, those 
are a separate species. They're um, Alaska blueberry is oh. one name for them, or uh, and then the early blueberries is the dusky ones. They bloom a little later, uh-huh. and the flower shape's a little different. Yeah. Every once in a while, there's uh, there's they're hybrids. They're like they're kind oh, of they're that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of almost a wine color. It's it's like if you take the dusky sort of blueberries and a red huckleberry, and yeah. you imagine blending those, you get kind of that purple color, but it's not quite as translucent as a huckleberry. Yeah. It has a little bit of that bloom on it. And uh, so I've seen, I know where at least three, three bushes of those are. Ooh, I'm going to have to follow you after the show. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't, you know, I haven't, unfortunately, the last one I found uh, was, I was coming out of being sick and I didn't have much of a sense of taste. Taste. So, so I couldn't quite tell. I like, I'm curious how, if I could get enough of them, like, how do they taste? And of course it depends on the sun also, but um, it would be yeah. interesting to do like a little lineup and a little description yeah. of each one, you know. Taste testing. And yeah. So do you do you find yourself um, using? I mean, I imagine you have a number of things that you uh, dishes or, or, or um, yeah, I guess that's the right word. Um, particular particular preparations that you do with with uh, different fruits and and greens and so forth. Yeah, I I think so. And then you know, I think I really find joy in the experimenting. So. I don't stick with something too long. I move on to the next thing. Um, but I guess on the topic of, of huckleberries, you know, I love huckleberry jam. That's my absolute favorite. And so um, typically that's what I'll stick to, or huckleberry muffins. Um, what else? Yeah, I mean, I, I just enjoy, I really enjoy the experimenting part and trying, you know, new ways to prepare something. And um, so that's kind of, do you ever um, play with the let's just call them a little less accessible flavors of of like the uh, uh, not gooseberries um, ribes just like so the currants the like so the gray currants oh my gosh example, I love the gray currants the trailing currants yeah um, their flavors a little interesting it's you know and I it might be one of those things we talked about like acquired taste right mm-hmm. I just remember um, growing up in Yakutat and. After school, um, you know, my dad was a runner and a basketball player. And so I think as kids, we just naturally followed in that. And uh, I just remember running along our road. And after a nice run, you know, the um, gray currants would be out and I'd grab them and I would just eat them just right off the the branch. And I just love them. Um, You know, my grandfather, his favorite way was making juice out of them. So if we'd get them, I'd go make him juice and he would be so happy to have some gray currant juice, mm. which I don't, I haven't made that in a long time. So I can't even tell you if I like that or not. But uh, I think like um, with the flavor of it, they pair really nice with red meats, mm. you know, like making a sauce and pairing it with a red meat um, is a good way. And um, yeah, they're, they're also in the my top yeah. favorite berry list. <laughs> I I have never picked enough to like do anything with. I pick them, and um, I guess I guess that actually the the white stuff on the berries is a is a yeast. And oh, so you interesting. Can use that. What was it? Somebody, you can use that as a um, sort of a, oh, like for natural soda or something. Yeah. You can use that as a starter for Ooh. to get the yeast in there. I've heard people. People experimenting with that, but I mostly just I like to you know most edible plants I usually uh, try to eat when I see them at least once a year you yeah. know and it's not like I'm not a food connoisseur I just I'm kind of like 
I'm, I'm much more of the sort of like I'm just shoveling it in kind of, kind of food eater, I <laughs> just guess. Just testing it out. Yeah. And, okay. Well, just like for, for food for, for needing to eat. Okay. Uh, I just I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so um, particular <laughs> about my tastes, I guess. I just kind of eat it. But I mean, I do. There are things that I like. But the yeah. uh, I like to just remember the taste every year of like the the currants right. uh, or the um, yeah, the currants, the great currants. And so and the trailing currants as well. They have a little different flavor and i i don't mind it it's it's different i guess yeah. i would say and it's interesting you know i don't know enough about like food pairings and stuff to go oh this would be good with and so it's yeah. interesting to hear you talk about you know the ways in which and how do you, are you just like do you have a sense when you taste something oh this would go good with that or is it you know, yeah. experimenting to find out sometimes yeah. sometimes i think oh man this is going to be really good paired with you know x y and z and uh, sometimes i experiment and it's like nope that did not turn out and so it's not a hundred percent success. Sometimes it's um, it's a lot of trial and error, and just trying to figure out what I really like. And uh, even like I think this summer, the deer heart grains. Mm-hmm. Typically, I wait till they're you know um, not too big, but a little young to eat them, just like as trail nibbles. And this year, when they came up, and they're they look almost like just like a. A little shoot, right? Yeah, it's they're still a flag up. that's unfur- that's not unfurled. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, they come, it's interesting. I don't know how they do that, but but yeah, you can see that they're all they come up as the whole leaf, it's and amazing. then it unfurls somehow. But it was all wound up, or just all curled up, like like if somebody was going to ship a flag, you know, and it was all yes. wound around a little pole. Well, I thought it would be so good just nibbling on it like that, or to, you know, chopping it up and adding it to something. So I picked some, and oh my gosh, it was so strong. Like I. It it was too strong that it wasn't enjoyable. You know, it was almost like this bitter, so bitter taste. So, um, you know, that was an experiment of adding it to stuff. And that was like, nope, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. So you, I imagine, <laughs> yeah, in the course of experimenting, you probably have uh, things that, that nobody deems acceptable. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't share those on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, I mean, everybody's got their own tastes, I guess. So it's always a little hard to know, but, uh, right. but yeah, I yeah. suppose when you're, when you're doing that and you're sharing them out that way, there's a certain amount of uh, filtering of people decide that, uh, you know, they like the stuff that you tend to, to do, then, then they're a good fan. Yeah. If they find that those things aren't really so much to their taste, then they don't have to follow you. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like works that way. Right. Or there's some people that, you know, um, you know, I we don't just focus on plants. We also do, you know, fish or um, deer, anything that you can um, hunt or fish or forage for, we include in the blog. And so there's some people that are, are really into um, maybe the coastal catches, but not so much the plants. Um, so... Yeah, I think we get a variety of followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you ex- do you experiment with different kinds of fish as well? Mm-hmm. I mean, salmon and halibut are obviously like primary foods, yeah. and, and lingcod and black cod and, and various. Uh, you know, there's a I don't know. I say a handful, but there's a handful of salmon themselves. So probably like a dozen or so. Like, yeah. but there's a lot of fish that you can eat, I guess. That's true. And, you know, I think it's been a little bit harder this year. We don't have a boat, so we're not out, like, a, yeah. you know, catching and, and out fishing as much. Um, although, if it were up to Riker, we'd be out fishing every day. Uh, so you will see us on the docks with our fishing poles and trying to see what we can catch. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, I think we experiment with probably more of the, you know, salmon, halibut, um, and cod. Probably those are the most common. So... Perhaps it's just a, a little bit of a different dish than yeah. what someone would make every night. Like we did, 
Last year, instead of, you know, salmon patties are really popular, so we have several variations of salmon patties that we make. Um, but we did um, kind of like a sesame Asian salmon meatball. And uh, so we made, you know, meatballs out of the salmon, and it was really good. So yeah. it's just different different things to try out. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, there's a whole slew of things. Then are you mixing also then a local... Um, flavors i guess uh in greens and and i, I suppose it's not, i mean I'm, i was thinking land but i suppose you could also uh add like seaweeds and like there's different oh absolutely sorts of seaweed in that yeah i'm trying to think of what we've um gosh the just the the sea greens and the seaweeds there's so many you know different types um that it is a lot of fun to experiment um so it depends sometimes we you know we'll do the sea greens with uh you know the the coastal catches and sometimes it'll be something different like i think we did um a black seaweed encrusted chicken you know um like chicken rolls and then another time we used the bladder whack or excuse me the the pop weed or the um, bladder rack on a whole roasted chicken and that's pretty amazing like i think we found out through doing it that way that you the seaweeds are so different from each other that you really do have to spend a little bit of time experimenting. You know, the black seaweed, uh, the black ribbon seaweed, you can just, you know, you can eat that in abundance. But when you're talking about bladderwrack, you almost use that sparingly, almost as you would butter, right? And so um, even doing the whole roasted chicken with the bladderwrack, it it made the chicken just really rich and buttery, but we only used just a tiny bit. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, one of the challenges I've had with seaweed in particular is I'm not a huge fan of salty flavor. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of the seaweeds are, well, for obvious reasons, I suppose, fairly salty. Yeah. <laughs> so I suppose if you're using a little bit, you, you know, then it's like using a little bit of salt in, a, in addition stuff. Absolutely. And we even do that. We'll grind up all the different seaweeds and we'll set them aside because because they have different flavors, but they are salty. Instead of actually adding salt to our dish... And this is not every time, but um, we'll use seaweed instead. So mm, interesting, yeah. It seems like um, yeah, it seems like there's there's so many things to experiment with, and and I guess you know part of it is like there's I'm sure traditional ways of preparing food that go back yeah forever, basically practically speaking, um, and then and then but there's a lot of you know, there was limits in the ways that you could prepare things at the time. You know, you didn't have freezers. You didn't have, you know, so you, a lot of food preparation was around food preservation as well. Right. It's like, how do we preserve this food for times of year when it's not so abundant? And then, you know, prepare it in a way that is palatable uh, then as well. So, like, you know, world over, I think, fermentation processes yeah. and, and things like that were been, and drying both have been, uh, or pickling. I guess kind of those three things seem to be mm-hmm. the big sort of without refrigeration and uh, and preservatives other than salt. You know, that's the way that people did it. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that's true. The ways here, I mean, it really is endless. And so when you're talking about some of those traditional dishes, there's still some that we, you know, prepare traditionally. Um, but because we have the conveniences of a freezer, of a food dehydrator, or, you know, um, these other appliances it's it gives us that um freedom to really experiment you know like growing up we sun-dried the seaweed and uh this year with some of the seaweed 
I used a dehydrator just because I was like, oh, you know, this is a little more controlled. I'm in the house. I, you know, I don't have to worry about the sick of rain. Um, but it does. It, it gives it a different flavor. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there's just so many different ways. I think back then they probably didn't have, you know, air fryers. Which right, I'm, yeah. That's, that's on my next <laughs> purchase list. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, so it's interesting. You, you the de- dehydrator versus sun-dried. I suppose there's a reason they have sun-dried tomatoes as a fancy thing as yeah. opposed to, like, just dried tomatoes maybe. I don't know. Uh, right. But, like, do you notice a... What, what do you, I suppose, just thinking off the top of my head that sun-drying, especially around here, is going to be a, a slower process probably. Yeah. Um, but I don't like, how does it, does it, is it a strong difference in the flavor or are you kind of, I think or? so. Like if we're talking like black, you know, specifically black seaweed, because that was, I think a favorite growing up was, you know, laying that out in the sun and drying it. Um, it changes the texture, you know, where it's a, it's a little more chewier if you're, it's sitting out in the sun, um, where if it's in a food dehydrator, it's like a little more crisp, mm. but it does change the flavor of it. Oh, so I feel like. It's not as, um, it's almost like the sweetness is taken away. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose the, yeah, you can get it drier probably in a, yeah. in a dehydrator. Because even when our, even when it's dry here, it's still humid. Uh, right. So it's not like, yeah. you know, you can get it dry, but to get it like, you know, so snap, snapping crispy kind of a potato chip sort of dry, mm-hmm. maybe not so easy. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. And Yakutat. I think of black seaweed as growing on kind of rocky areas, but I think of Yakutat as having a lot of sandy beach. So I'm, presumably there's some rocky areas around there where people Oh, absolutely. Harvest, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of different beaches. And, oh, my goodness, it's um, it's really exciting to go back to Yakutat because I've always thought, like, Sitka and Yakutat were so similar. And it's true that they are, but I feel like Yakutat has, you know, different variety of plants, more plants, and um, it's – it's almost like a treasure hunt going home to see what I can find. And, uh, yeah. Is it interesting, you know, you mentioned that you've been here for 12 years and, and in that time, I mean, imagine you've gone back home and yeah. visited, but you're learning as you're here, uh, learning about things. And my one trip to Yakutat, I'm, I tend to key in on, okay, there's a lot of stuff that's familiar, but, but what's also different about it, you know? So I like recognizing the things that are familiar, but then I'm like this plant I've only seen like once or, or never seen around Sitka, but here it is all over the place. And, yeah. and just trying to, and of course Yakutat has those massive forelands. So you've got a little more flat country there than, than around here. Yeah. Um, and it's on the mainland, so like there's a whole different animals and, and things like that, whole, whole host of different things. But I'm I'm curious how your perspective has changed, like going back to visit, having lived here for 12 years and learning a lot of stuff as you go. Uh, one of the things that I have found as an adult is that growing up here, like I would have thought I knew things pretty well because yeah. like that's what kids think, right? right. Of course I know so about the animals and the birds <laughs> and stuff here. Um, and then, you know, I've had myself repeatedly shown that, no, in fact, there was a lot of really obvious things, things that I would consider now really obvious that I had no idea were here at all. Oh, wow. And so it's, it's uh, I guess, humbling in a way, but also inspiring because it's like, what am I missing now? You know, right. these things that, that once you know what they are, you see them all over, but it's so easy to miss. So I'm curious if there's things like that. You go back to Yakutat and, and they like aren't in your memory from childhood, but now that you know them, you're like, oh, wow, all these things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you had said, Yakutat has a lot of beaches. And so just going to the beaches and seeing all the different beach greens and beach plants that are there, um, 
I don't remember seeing them as well. Some of them I remember seeing as kids, but not knowing that they're edible. I remember their smells, right? You know, mm-hmm. you talked about like uh, all the senses, but um, so those smells are still really familiar. Um, but you know, I I even feel like I see new plants, um, especially flower. I feel like any of the beach plants. Um, I didn't know were edible or I didn't know existed there. And so when I talk about it being a discovery, it's especially if I go home at a different time of year. You know, if I go home every year at the same month, I'll see the same plants. But they change, you know, from I, I don't exactly know when, but if I, every time I go, I see something different. And uh, I think that's the exciting part. Yeah, I, I've realized in the last couple of years that I just – for whatever reason, my aesthetic sensibilities, I prefer to revisit places I've been before than to go new places. Like a lot of people like to go new places and that's, I don't, I don't begrudge them that, but I was, I was on a mountain here a couple of years. Well, it was actually last year. And that's when the thought most strongly struck me. I always knew that I'm not like a huge, I don't get excited about traveling and going, going elsewhere. <laughs> I like being here. So, but I was up there and I realized it was the, maybe the third or fourth time I'd been up on that particular mountain. And there was quite a bit of that mountain up there that I wanted to look at, to see. And I wasn't going to have time that day because I was, you know, I needed to get up and down and I'm not that fast. So, you know, I just had to keep <laughs> going. And I realized, oh, I would rather come back here and spend more time sort of looking, expanding yeah. sort of my footprint, I guess, of, of awareness up here than I would to go someplace completely new. Uh, and... For me, that I mean that 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 happens. That's a pretty small scale. It's a single mountain here in Sitka, but also just the Sitka area. Like I like exploring the Sitka area and then Southeast Alaska. And when do you start to get beyond Southeast Alaska? I'm starting to get well. That's kind of far away from home for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like to sort of have the awareness and and understand a little bit of the variation about how things are how, how things are happening. But that opportunity to go back at different times and to see those different things and and to you know place that you visited so many times and then you're like I've never seen this before and and then there's always the question is it because I just missed it or right. is it because it's new because it could be either one right uh, and when I was younger I used to assume it was new and then I became aware that no a lot of those things weren't new that <laughs> <laughs> I I just hadn't noticed them um, but your eyes become more refined you know as you spend time with the plants you get to in the beginning they're just all green leaves right right and you know it's so funny because you know, I I think about, uh, you know, there's a Ankau beach that I go to in Yakta. That's my favorite beach of all time. But it's because every time I go there, I'm like, wait, same thing. Like, was this plant here before? And so many of the plants that grow on that beach are edible. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And uh, the wonder of, has it always been here? Or is this a new plant? Is this a, you know, hybrid? Is this, you know, what? how did it get here? So, yeah, it's it's I guess it's good to be reminded of of our lack of awareness sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, true. All that the things that, that we didn't know uh, were always there uh, kind of things. Just waiting, you know. Yeah. Doing their own things. And uh, yeah, there was a plant uh, I'd only seen. I'd only seen a couple times before in different places. Never, never right around Sitka proper. And. A couple of years ago, my son my son likes to get out and take pictures. Uh, well, he mostly likes to get out and go birding and hunting and fishing and stuff. But nice. he also takes pictures of stuff and posts them on a naturalist. And he posted a picture of a plant. And I was like, 
I know that plant, but I've never seen it where he went. It was, a, oh, it was wow. up Indian River Valley, which is a place I've spent a lot of time. Yeah. And uh, I'd seen it elsewhere. I knew of it, but uh, and never, never here. And so it was surprising to me to to be like, oh, wow, there's a plant that he found that uh, I'd, I'd never seen. It's a, it's a galium. It's related to the cleavers that are on the beach. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a different species in that genus. And, but they have much broader round leaves. They actually look a little bit like the leaves of dogwood, of ground oh. dogwood. So, so I think that's probably one of the reasons it, it's easy to miss. And, right. uh, but that same year, he also found nettles up there on a little gravel bar. And there was quite a few of them. I think that's interesting. I've been on that gravel bar. never saw nettles. I went back this year to look for the nettles. Yeah. They weren't there. They weren't there. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And so it's like, what are, what are nettles doing? Do they just like pop up and, and disappear? And, right. And I don't know what's happening with them. But So then there's all these questions, these mysteries that come up. So like how, how I mean, the one plant's probably there all the time and I just didn't notice it. Nettles, I mean, I've seen them elsewhere as well, but they're coming no, they're and going, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I know nettles is like one of the popular plants to harvest and and utilize. And I feel like it's the one that never pops out to me. I just never, I don't know if I'm looking past it. I know of a couple of patches and I just, it's not one that I've really got to know. And it's not one I've experimented with. Um, Well, it's it's definitely one you can feel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And maybe that's why. I I remember growing up and being at... um, a family cabin at Night Island, and uh, I was with my grandmother, and I just remember grabbing the nettles because it just—it was such a cool-looking plant, and uh, my hand was not happy yeah. all day. And I think I was like, "Yep, <laughs> I'm never touching that plant again." Yeah, I—I—I <laughs> I, uh, I tested tested the tested the magnitude of, of nettle sting uh, when I was in college once in Southern Idaho. I was going to college down there, and yeah. they grow along streams in what places in Canada, and they're just like thick. Like, you know, stands of it that like that's all there is. Uh, And I was in shorts and I'd cross the stream and didn't want to cross back the stream. And I'll just walk up the other side. There's a trail on the on the side I'd walked, you know, initially. And I ended up walking through these these stands of nettles. And I mean, of course, it stung. And I was like, well, it doesn't like it just maxed out. It was it was not getting any worse. And I could tolerate that. And so I just kept walking through them. I think in the end, that was a mistake because what I didn't. (laughs) account for is the fact that all that stuff's going into my skin oh, yeah. and then it has to be processed. So Ugh. for the next 12 hours or so, my legs are just like burning. I mean, it was a long time before it stopped and, and they itched for a few days after that. But uh, I, I decided that's not, that wasn't so wise. I was young and impulsive then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, and do you yeah. know the cure for nettles? What's that? It's rubbing more nettles oh, on your rub, skin. Oh, rubbing more nettles? And I just couldn't get myself to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm like, oh, it just sounds like that can't be the cure, but apparently that's what cures it. Arguably, that's what I was doing, I guess, but it wasn't It wasn't working so much in that case. Maybe there's a, like the leaves or something. You, you have to you break it up it. and yeah. really rub yeah. it in. But I do. it is novel to be able to fold up the leaf and then, and then eat it just yeah. raw. And I guess they're little tiny um, needle-like, um, they're not glass, but like little needle-like things that break essentially. And so then once those are broken... You can do that. But I used to find them. I've seen them along Blue Lake Road. Mm-hmm. Um, again, sometimes, but most of the time not. And and then I've seen where I saw them consistently, not that I was there for, you know, year after year after year, but for a couple of years I was doing surveys or helping out with surveys above Blue Lake uh-huh. when they were getting ready to raise the dam. And, um, and they were there. 
consistently. Huh. In fact, when we went way up the valley, there was actually slopes where there was like it was a mix of nettles and ferns. And it looked like that. And I, that's oh, the only wow. place I've ever seen that. But I know that they, um, I mean, they were useful for cordage and food. So right. they get, I think, at uh, hunting camps and stuff on islands that you, you'll find. I think you still can find patches of them. I've never happened to run into that, but I've talked to other people who have. Yeah, and I heard they're really high in iron, and you know, I think teas are really popular to drink. Yeah, one of the best, uh, one of the best um, greens, I guess, out there in terms of nutrition and stuff. Yeah, and people used to grow them, you know, around town just as part of their garden. Maybe I think. that's what we need to do. Yeah, there are people that that <laughs> that do, I, I know somebody that has has some in a pot, uh, and maybe a couple people. I bet I bet there's someone listening in that's like, oh man, I I got to call them and teach them both about nettles. Please <laughs> <Probably> do. <so. laughs> Yeah, I, I need to learn more. <laughs> yeah, I never. I, they just they didn't have a strong flavor to me when I ate them, but um, mm. they they have that strong strong touch uh, when when you when you get into them a little bit. But yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's just it's a mystery to me. That's part of what's exciting to me about it is is just the the like why and why are these things right? The curiosity because yeah. it's like you can just learn more and more each year. You know, yeah. or I don't know if it's each year you can probably learn as much as you want about one plant right now, but. Uh, for me, it's been this like long process of, oh, I'll just go where my curiosity takes me on this plant, and you know, learn what I can. Yeah, that seems like that's uh, that's approach I've always taken. Just wander around and see what catches my eye and and what I get curious about. And yeah. Over time, it just accumulates and. Right. Oh yeah. What was it? This. What was it last year that kept popping out everywhere was um, the jelly fungus. Oh yeah. Yeah, have you seen that bright orange jelly fungus? There's a couple. There's a few different species. Um, so it depends on which one, but probably I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. there's like the orange, and then there's the the yellow one. Mm-hmm. I mean, my son and I were finding that every time we walk, we'd see just these little patches of the jelly fungus, and like the gumdrop so, shaped ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those are just. They like to come out in the spring, but you see them as you go up the mountain. It's like spring gets later, you know, as you go up the mountain. Right. And so. You can find them up there, and then they start coming out in the fall. They seem to like the cooler weather. I think mm-hmm. is maybe and what the, it is. they like rotten wood. And, yeah, you know. Yeah. So. I don't know if people eat. I mean, fungi are another whole thing that people do. do it really much with, is with those. Uh, you know. Those? So I I ended up researching it because um, I was like, well, we're seeing these everywhere. I wonder if there's a reason or why why are we seeing it everywhere? Um, but one thing I thought was interesting is that. Um, there's not been a ton of studies, but some of the studies they've done on it is that. Uh, the jelly fungus, um, when you eat it, it's supposed to help dissolve tumors. Hmm. So I thought, okay, well, that's really interesting. And, uh, you know, I've heard people adding it to their soup. It, apparently it's flavorless. Um, and it's just one of those things I just haven't tried yet. I, I'm i like, okay, there's plenty of it, but it just, uh, yeah. for whatever reason, does not seem super appetizing. Who knows? It could be the best thing in the world, but... Uh, Maybe next time we talk, you can ask me and see if I've tried it yet. <laughs> well, I know that, I mean, there's a whole world of mycophiles, uh, yeah. my, mycophages, or, you know, people that really like mushrooms yeah. and like cooking and eating them. Right. Um, and various different ways. I have not had any mushrooms that I was excited about. Let's just put it that way. I, oh, I've man. eaten some. I've eaten some. Apparently, though, there's like I might like the kind. There's a kind. Uh, well, I don't remember what they call it. Candy stick mushroom, uh, candy cane mushroom, or candy huh. stick or something. But it's a really sweet one. Uh, they, people dry it and then it's really sweet. That might appeal to me more because I do have a sweet tooth. But well, do you like chicken? A chicken of the woods I've eaten and it was okay. Okay, uh, well, but, you yeah. cook it with bacon. Well, well be then, good, yeah, you know? then yeah. <laughs> 
anything with bacon. There's a lot of things you can do with bacon. <laughs> yeah. that'd be good. But I've only really tried it once. Uh, and the people that I that I know that are most into mushrooms kind of don't really like that one for some reason. I don't know oh, why. That's but, so uh, funny. Yeah, but they like the bowl eats and they like the, okay. the chanterelles. And the chanterelles were okay. Yeah. I, I ate them with... with um, Scrambled eggs is what I was told was good. So. Oh, man. Okay, Matt, you need to go to the Forest Fresh website. Yeah. And you need to try out some recipes. Try, try recipes of, of, <laughs> yes. with chanterelles. Or, uh, or king bolets. Yeah. Or, yeah. I did try the, those uh, okay. in spaghetti. That's okay. what I did. I, and a lot of people dry them, I think, and then use them dried. And so I was using them fresh, which maybe makes a difference as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it is it is interesting, all the different things that people try. And then people, like, there's a, there's a wide swath of them that mm-hmm. people can eat. Um, but it seems like most people have one or two that, or three that they, that's what they, they eat. Right. And it's probably too with that like whole identification thing too, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you don't want to mushrooms. There's some, a lot more poisonous mushrooms than there is probably plants. So making sure that what you harvest and what you forage for is indeed an edible mushroom. And so I think that's like, even with us, we, we know a handful of them, but yeah. I, put it this way. I'm not going to go guide you on a mushroom right. hunt. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they often UAS with uh, Kitty Labani often has done a um, mushroom walk in the, in yes. the or, or mushroom class, you know. And it's uh, Kitty, I, and I've talked to her about it before uh, several times. She she definitely aims it towards people who want to eat stuff because that's what people are most interested in. She does try yeah. and give people a broader understanding of of fungi and the diversity of fungi because it's an amazingly diverse group. It is. It's so amazing. many different forms and and just amazing looking things as well. But a lot of people are like, "Can we eat it?" And so, so that tends to be a <laughs> tends to be a focus. And so, so learning, you know, the handful that are pretty easy um, and don't have, you know, don't have so many lookalikes and what to look for specifically, right? Uh, for those, it's always helpful again to know, you know, to get some comfort with that, and and so you don't have to worry all the time. Like, am I going to be poisoning myself when oh I go gosh. harvest something? So yeah, no kidding. Well, that's on our um, bucket list is to take Kitty's class. Oh, nice, yeah. Because uh, Riker um, is all about mushrooms and wants to really learn about them. And I'm, you know, we have a few books, but it's one of those <laughs> things I kind of want hands on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a challenge. It's so much easier to, you know, my, so many things are what I'll, you know, like I said earlier, recognizable. I mean, right. you can identify them, but once you know what they are, you can learn to recognize them. And that's a lot easier when, you know, if I introduce you to my, to my kids or something, then you would just recognize my kids. You know, right. you don't have to identify them anymore. Uh, and obviously so we're really tuned to how people look as opposed to plants yeah. and animals. But I kind of think we have that ability internally as well. We just, it's not as well developed because most of us don't yeah. go around, uh, don't grow up with people who are sort of encouraging that in us, you know? Right. And so maybe, maybe your son Riker, you know, with, with your interests and, and his experiences growing up doing this, like it might come easier to him to, to learn to recognize things relatively quickly and, and be comfortable. Oh, that's so uh, true. So, yeah, it's kind of, and, and, you know, I guess, I mean, it sounds like you grew up running around in, in Yakutat area. I grew up yep. running around in the woods here and, and, you know, there's a certain amount of like, you're just here. It's, it's wilderness. It's not official wilderness or whatever, you know, designated, but 
it's the woods, right? And right. And it's just kind of wild yes. there. And right. and your kid, it's it's always close, you know, playing around at the beach and just like I still. <laughs> it's interesting the things I remember. One that are, there's this little uh, sea balloons or whatever, uh-huh. but they have little micro holes in it. You can't see them, but when you squeeze them, it sprays water out. <laughs> and yes. that's one of the things I have clear memories of as a kid. You know, we'd point them at somebody and do that, but of course, some of the holes pointed back at us, so we almost always got sprayed ourselves. Oh my gosh! So it's it's kind of fun to. You know, there's all the things that I didn't notice when I was a kid, but also to have those memories layered on of all the things that I I did. I didn't have a name for them. It was right. just experiential, you know, That's beach true. greens or those uh, those little balloons that that uh, you know spray or the. Riker call was of a just playing thrush. with that yeah. the other day. Yeah, he was showing. Kids discover that pretty. I don't, nobody taught me that. I don't think. Maybe I did. Maybe it was like maybe that's kid kid wisdom that's passed from kid to kid. I think yeah. so. I think so. Yeah, it's, it's all it, hands on. Yeah, yeah. You discover. They're not things. afraid to just grab something. No, and, that's you know. true. And my kids love. I mean, I guess I caught bullheads when I was a kid too. And, yeah. And uh, in in the tide pools, they they liked catching them and and say, "You want to take a picture." Of this one, I was like, "All right, I'll take a picture." So <laughs> oh, nice. that's that's uh, it, with digital cameras these days, and they knew that I like to take pictures of things. So, so they were they were bringing Aww. stuff back. I suppose it's kind of not unlike you, you know, picking berries in the bucket, filling the bucket. You know, yeah. Uh, is there's these these errands that that they go out. So I wasn't really so. I mean, we weren't doing a lot of harvesting of of food, but for me, it, it's it's long been an interest of mine to take pictures of things. And that's right. how I learned about it is I just take pictures and with digital photography, that's easier. So they knew that and they were yeah. kind of, I, I guess at times I would ask them to get me stuff, but other times they would just sort of spontaneously like, Aww. come take a picture of this. Or my daughter, I remember when she was really little, she'd find like every flower and want me to take a picture of every flower. <laughs> one. Like, you, take a picture of it? So. you know, I, I think kids definitely pick up on that because Riker's the same way. If I'm not taking a picture of it, he has me, do it or he'll grab the phone himself now and you know oh, nice. use my yeah. phone and do a little video or do a little picture and and uh yeah he's kind of started his own he's doing Riker camp on Instagram where he talks about the creatures and oh, the nice. plants and you know yeah. so it's it's fun to see how he's interpreting it and what he's learning from it yeah yeah um, yeah it it's it's such a layered thing you know to to both reflect on childhood that you know, we experienced, I guess, as kids and then having kids that are now going through their own and, and sort of seeing the different perspectives a little bit. And I could, I don't know, imagine it'll be different, you know, just from talking to my parents, for example, as a grandparent at some point, you know, maybe it's even different yet again, you know, you're seeing, seeing all those layers. Well, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, um, well, I mean, we're almost we're kind of running towards the end of time here, and I did I did want to mention the uh, you've been doing art for a long time, I think, and yeah. you have uh, a couple of benches in town that that are they tinas that are on the that are on the benches? Yeah, so I have one the Elizabeth Pradovich bench, um, you know, that has the tina inlay, mm-hmm. and my husband and I did that together, um, the tina, and then of course Zachary Lapierre did the bench. And then we have the Lovebirds um, that's at the Raptor Center. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, I remember Zach talking about, I think, I don't even know if he remember. I think he mentioned the bench. Uh, this uh-huh. was a couple of years ago when I was talking to him for the radio show. And and uh, I think at the time it hadn't been announced that there was this collaboration. <laughs> and so he didn't feel like he could announce it. Uh, oh. But uh, but yeah, that was kind of, uh, so so how do you, like, like how does your, your, I imagine that that for you it's all pretty connected. Like you're doing all the the it food is. and the foraging and that kind of stuff, and and but also inspiration for your art and 
and the art that you're doing? Yeah, you know, it's um, definitely all connected, you know, uh, based on, you know, place-based growing up here in Alaska. And then uh, so you'll see a lot of plants reflected in my carvings, you know. And then, um, gosh, what else? It's it, it definitely is all connected. And it's just all of it brings me a lot of joy. Oh, nice. Yeah. It seems like there's... Yeah, no end of things to to do around, and you you seem to wear a lot of hats in, in my impression, <laughs> and and don't don't uh, don't lack for things to do, and uh, so I appreciate you uh, spending some time with me here, and and so we've mentioned a, a, a few things, but um, if people want to keep track, so Forest Fresh is just like on social media generally, Instagram, Facebook, or yeah, so we have um, website. It's forestfreshalaska.com is the website. Okay. You can sign up for a monthly newsletter um, where we, you know, share recipes. Um, Instagram is mostly pictures and same with Facebook, um, but we'll post recipes sometimes there. But um, you can go to our website. You can download. Um, the recipes are easily downloadable. And, uh, yeah, let us know if you tried something out. All right. And, you know, I'd love to hear what people think. And then your art site, you said Alaska Mary. Yeah, uh, alaskamary.com. All right. Yep, and you can follow me there and uh, see what art uh, projects I'm working on. Or if you want to buy some jewelry, yeah, All hit right. me up. And any other projects you want to mention? Oh, gosh. Let's see. Well, you know, um, Speaking of getting out in nature, you know, we, uh, my husband and I do Waypoint for Veterans, which is a nonprofit, and it's really about getting veterans and first responders out in nature and really um, receiving some of the healing benefits of engaging all your senses in nature. Yeah, nice. I mean, we, we, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about that and, and just the, you, you know, from somebody who lives here, the opportunity to get a chance to little, live a little bit vicariously through the, the, the newness and the freshness and the like, yeah. wow, this is this. And, and it helps at least me when I've had the opportunity to, to speak with people. It's the, it helps me not take for granted, Absolutely. you know, and remember like, yeah, I live here for a reason. <laughs> you know, I like it here for a yeah. reason. Well, and we just had, you know, the group of veterans here and, um, I just remember one of the guys was like, every chance I got, I was walking away eating the berries Lucas showed me, which ones are edible. And every chance I got, I was eating the huckleberries and the salmon berries. And, you know, and so it's true. I mean, I think uh, growing up, we could, it could be easily um, seen as a, a negative thing that we don't have fruit trees or we don't have, you know, access to all this amazing fresh produce. But really, we do have access to a lot of unique um, wild you know, greens and berries that we should really take advantage of. And we don't have to weed them. Oh, it's yeah. so great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with gardening. It's never ending, never <laughs> ending uh, battle against those other green things that want to grow all the time. So That is true. Yeah. That is so true. Well, yeah, thanks for coming in and uh, yeah, love to talk again sometime. Yeah. Hey, Matt, thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure talking to you. You've been listening to a conversation I recorded with Mary Goddard a couple of weeks ago. I want to thank her for taking some time to visit with me and thank you for joining me here on the Sitka Nature Show this week. Uh, As we discussed, Mary is involved in a lot of different things. I hope to talk with her more about some of her projects in the future. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about her projects that we spoke about today, you can check out forcefreshalaska.com and sign up for their newsletter if you want to get the monthly recipes and Uh, more about their foraging and food uh, in Alaska. You can also find her artwork at alaskamary.com or check out their Waypoint for Veterans program at waypointforveterans.com. 
As I wrap up the show here, I'd like to remind you that I always love to hear what you're seeing out there. Please feel free to send me an email, sitkanature at gmail.com, or get on Facebook and like the Sitka Nature page there. Until next time, this has been Matt on the Sitka Nature Show, KCW Sitka.